0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. My name is Duane. Uh, This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is September the 8th. I hope that you're doing well. We're going to take just a little detour today from our study in the book of Acts. I've been on the road for the past couple of days. Uh, Went down to Asheville, North Carolina. Got an opportunity to visit with my oldest son, Dane uh, he doesn't live in Asheville. He actually lives in Nashville, but we kind of picked a, a place that was almost in between Lunchburg and Nashville, so we landed on Asheville. A Beautiful, uh, beautiful little community. I, I grew up in upstate North Carolina, and I remember as a kid going to Asheville. It's changed a lot. It has grown a lot, Um, I think I read there was like 92,000 people that lived in that area now. So, beautiful part of North Carolina. But uh, today what we're going to do is, I was asked a question the other day in regards to the New Covenant. Um, The question wasn't really, are we living in the New Covenant? The question was, what did I think of the New Apostolic Reformation, which is known as NAR, <clears throat> New Apostolic Reformation, um, and of course, they embrace what's called Dominion Theology, Kingdom Now Theology. I think if you've been listening to me for any length of time, <laughs> yeah, you you know the answer that I'm going to give in regards to this, but um, anyway, I just put together some notes. I responded to a few questions, and I thought I'd just Share it with you guys while I'm still trying to catch up on my study um, in in Acts chapter number 18. So uh, let me um, show you a few things here. Here's my notes. So are we living in the new covenant? Well, I came to this as a result of the question: um, What did I think of the new apostolic reformation and dominion theology? Um, Simply put, NAR is a Pentecostal charismatic movement that advocates for the return of the apostolic and the prophetic offices, which are over the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, to regain a religious and political control over society. Now, of course, those ministry gifts there are in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So the new apostolic reformation advocates for a return of these two offices apostles and prophets. Now, of course, Pentecostals slash Charismatics uh, have have never really believed these two offices have left. Now, I would you know I would contend that the apostolic office and even the office of prophet uh, left with the last of the apostles once the kingdom was rejected. I would I would argue that today the church is full of evangelist pastors and teachers. The apostles there were twelve. Uh, that were recognized by Jesus. There were others mentioned uh, as we've been studying our way through the book of Acts. But after uh, the, the, uh, the, the body of Christ was born, after the calling of the Apostle Paul, and after the death of all of the Apostles, including Paul, I believe the apostolic office drifted off the scene. Of course, as I've mentioned before, the office of Apostle, while it may be gone, the function of the Apostle, which would be the church planter, the missionary, is still very much here today, and as far as prophets, I you know I, I believe today uh, that the pastor, teacher, um, even the evangelist, if you will, um, we forth foretell the word of God, but we do not foretell the word of God because it's been it's been forever settled. We have the canon of Scripture, so I would argue that the apostolic as well as the prophetic offices or closed, but their functions are realized through the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So, the new apostolic reformation, they want to see a revival of these apostolic and prophetic offices to lead the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to regain religious and political control over society. That's what they're teaching. Thus, the dominion theology uh, comes into place. Um, if you read about it online, it involves new revelations uh, that will lead to the establishing of the dominion, oh, uh, their dominion over the earth that man lost in the garden. And there's much more. I just encourage you to study it. I mean, it's all, I mean, go to their website. I mean, it's all there. Um, um, there's, there's a lot more. But the error of this group, I believe, is derived from the fact that they do not rightly divide the word of truth. Um, a lot of times, those of us who represent the mid-Acts position, which is that the church was not born in Acts chapter number 2, uh, but the church was... Um, Paul was the first convert into the body of Christ. Um, we uh, will be, a lot of people refer to us, and we even refer to ourselves as right dividers, because we believe the Bible needs to be rightly divided, that the workman of God needeth not to be ashamed. Um, we believe that there is a division that needs to take place. If, if you don't divide it the way it should be divided, there's going to be confusion i.e., New Apostolic Reformation, Dominion, Theology, Kingdom, Now, Theology. So, by not rightly dividing, uh, they believe that the Bible is all about them. Um, And nothing could be farther from the truth. uh, Because while all of the Bible is written for us, for our benefit, for our edification, it does not necessarily mean that parts of it are written to us, okay? Um, But we are guilty uh, of going in and reading someone else's mail and claiming it for ourselves. The Old Testament, for example, was not written to the body of Christ. It was not written to Gentiles. It was written to the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel alone. Now, was it written for our edification, our blessing, for our um, instruction, if you will? Um, Not necessarily instruction, but uh, that we can learn from it? Yes, sure, it was. But you can't go back into the Old Testament and read promises that was given to the nation of Israel, pull those promises out of their context and say, this is for me. If my people are called by my name, would humble themselves. And, you know, yes, I mean, in principle, as the body of Christ, as Christians, we can. Uh, that is a, a, a principle that if we do turn to God and we do call upon him, he may or may not. Um, but the statement, the promise was given to the nation of Israel. So it was written to them, uh, but it can be for us. Um, And people get all confused with that. All I'm saying is we have to rightly divide who the Scripture is speaking to. Who is speaking and who was he speaking to? For example, if you go into the book of James and you pull up chapter number 1, And James says, James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, who is he speaking to? It's not you and me. It's not the body of Christ. He is speaking to the twelve tribes of Israel. James is speaking to Israel. He is not speaking to the body of Christ. Therefore, everything else that he talks about, Is to the nation of Israel. Can we learn from it? Can we still teach from it? Yes. Can we make application from it? Yes. But we have to understand he was speaking to the nation of Israel who was still very much under the law, who had been offered a king and a kingdom that they ultimately rejected. So again, we have to rightly divide. Um, In regards to um, the covenants, this is what we're talking about here. Um, Well, in regards to, is the Bible all about us? No, it's not. Uh, Is it for us? Yes. Is all of it to us? No. Um, For example, the covenants. The covenants, the old covenant, and the New Covenant, which we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, is for, it's about the nation of Israel. It's not to the body of Christ. Um, The covenants have to do with Israel. Uh, And we, even those of us who are not a part of the New Apostolic Reformation, we still make the mistake of not rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, The problem with NAR Again, is they don't rightly divide, and they are guilty of taking all of the promises that are for the nation of Israel and giving them to themselves under what they would call the new covenant. Um, We do the same thing. Even evangelicals believe that they are under this new covenant, that they're living under this new covenant. And when you begin to take promises that are given to Israel and apply them to the body of Christ, you end up maybe not as far afield as NAR, but you are going to end up in charismatic doctrine. You're going to end up in reformed covenant theology uh, if you do not rightly divide the word of truth. Because the bottom line is we're not living under the new covenant. Neither the Old Covenant nor the New Covenant are for you and me. Um, but people will say, but, you know, and if I look in my Bible, there's a page between Malachi and Matthew that says New Covenant. Yes, there is. But it's still dealing with the nation of Israel. And we are not under it. So let's answer this question. What is the new covenant? Let's establish that. What is the new, ta- new covenant? And if we can understand that, of course, we know the old covenant, which is the mosaic, the mosaic law. We would, most people today would readily acknowledge we are not under mosaic law. We're not under the old covenant, but they will in error turn around and say, but we are under the new covenant. Are we? Um, because if we think we are, we end up with all these erroneous doctrines and these bad teachings. So what is the new covenant anyway? Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, And then we can determine whether or not it's for us. The new covenant is a promise that God gave to the nation of Israel that he would bring them back into their land where they would realize the blessings that were promised to their fathers. And we see this in Luke 1, verse 72. Well, look in verse 70. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, now obviously these prophets were Jewish, under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which have since been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. In context, that is referring to the nation of Israel. Now, today we can read that, we can make application of that to ourselves, but in the end, it's not talking about us. It is talking about the nation of Israel. That we should be saved from our enemies, the enemies to the nation of Israel, and those that hate the Jews, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham. And what is that? That he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of the days of our lives. That was the promise that God made to the nation of Israel. The begin, that's what's being referred to there in the Gospel of Luke. The beginnings of this are found in Deuteronomy. And let's look over in Deuteronomy. This is where it comes into play. This is where God promises the nation of Israel what he would do for them under a new and better covenant. Notice, and it shall come to pass, and I'm not going to finish this, <laughs> I thought this would just be, you know, a filler, but uh, it's not. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among the nations whither the God, the Lord thy God, hath driven thee and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thine soul, that the Lord, then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity, have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all of the nations whither the Lord hath driven thee, If any of thine be driven out into the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee, and the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thine soul that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee which persecuted thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all of his commandments, which I commend thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, in the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy land, for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. This is the beginning of the new covenant. This is where God promises the nation of Israel that he would, in verse number three, have compassion on them. That he would gather them from out of all nations. That he would allow them to dwell in the promised land. That he would circumcise their heart so that they can obey the commandments. And he will make them plenteous in every work of their Hands. So the end result would be that the covenant would provide for their redemption and institute what was needed to begin God's plan for blessing the kindreds of the earth through their priesthood. Um and we, we see that in Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee, and in thee all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, when would they be blessed? Through the nation of Israel. Once the nation of Israel repents, comes back to the Lord, is given the ability to obey the commandments of God, God would use them to reach the, the Gentiles, should reach all families of the earth. Genesis 22, and in thy seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed because you obeyed my voice. Israel did not obey the voice of God. Acts 3.25, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers. Acts 3.25 is not talking to the body of Christ, it's talking to the nation of Israel in regards to the covenant that God made with their fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed all the nations, all the kindreds of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, what Israel failed to accomplish on their own under the old covenant, God promised that he would provide for them under the new covenant. So are we under the new covenant? Well, I guess we're not gonna answer that today. I'm out of time. <laughs> so we'll 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 keep looking at this as we have time. Um but um read some of those notes. I'll stick them up for you to take a look at. Uh but I've got I've got a, a little bit more to cover, so I guess I'll cover this as I can. Um I guess we'll look at it tomorrow. I don't wanna leave you hanging. Or I'll just continue this as a separate study, whatever the case may be. But next time we get together, we'll take a look about how the prophets reminded the Jews of the new covenant when the Lord would come and he would make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So we'll talk about that next time. God bless you guys. Have a great day.